Okay, here we go. And it's episode five. Uh, this one is uh, due to air a couple days after Christmas, but we're recording it a little bit in advance uh, for a specific reason, and that is because our guest today is William Francis Lee, Bill Lee, the spaceman, who uh, is a, a baseball legend, counterculturally specifically, a member of the Red Sox Hall of Fame, and uh, soon to be, I think, a member of the Canadian uh, baseball, not the Canadian bacon, the Canadian baseball uh, Hall of Fame as well. Bill pitched for the Red Sox uh, through the 70s till 78, and then was with the Montreal Expos. Uh, did I say he was in the Red Sox Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know why? I, I, that's the last thing I remember. It's going to be aired. A... <laughs> it's going to be aired on the 28th, which happens to be the gift of the Magi or the birth date of William <laughs> Francis Lee. Of you, and you'll be 72. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be dropping, as they say. You, you know, you, you don't you don't release podcasts; you drop them like a accidentally, like a, yeah, like something in the toilet bowl. But this is going to be special. It's Today. pronounced Bill, spaceman. That's the Coriolis effect. That is the turd. As it gets closer to the bottom, it accelerates. <laughs> <laughs> and does it go clockwise or counterclockwise, it depending on where you are? What hemisphere you're in? <laughs> exactly. So you've been all over the place. There's so much to talk to you about uh, because you've really, you know, you do a lot of traveling. And, but first and foremost, let me just establish your baseball credentials for those who just. Uh, Aren't old enough to remember or uneducated about the the uh, the lead history. Your grandfather was a professional baseball player. Yes. Your your aunt, who I knew, actually got to meet and know a little bit, was Annabelle Lee. Wasn't she? Was um, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer for being in the Women's Professional Baseball League. First woman to throw a perfect game and a no-hitter. Unbelievable. Uh, and then, of course, you won the College World Series before you were drafted by the Red Sox. By the way, Ben Kitchen to your left. I want to make sure everybody knows Ben's here, for God's sake. They care so much. Well, you speak up, Ben. You know, don't be so shy. No, no. I'm he's, sorry. Doing, he's doing really good. He knows when to add on. I'm sorry. Mike. Now, you, in the College World Series, you're from California. You're born in Burbank. Sixth generation. Uh, five. My daughter... Katie, sixth generation, born in Malibu in 76. Yeah. And Californians, we know, have a distinct advantage, as do Texans and Floridians, when it comes to getting good at baseball, compared to, say, a Carlton Fisk up in Vermont or New Hampshire. Rare. Rare Very and rare. amazing. Great yeah. basketball player and a late achiever and a Hall of Famer for his durability. You've, you know, not to get off the track so early, but you told me that when you go to Carlton Fisk's house, it's a little bit weird, right? His family's a, a, a backwoodsy and strange. Well, yeah, Calvin and Calvin can lift a Clydesdale and shoe it with one hand. And that's you know, the father. Fisk is no, that's the son, the oh, oldest boy. Okay. Fisk is the runt of the litter. He is. Yeah, his sister uh, survived a car crash where she broke every rib, half of her bones, was in a coma for six months, and came out dancing. You know, and that was Rick Miller's ex-wife. Rick and, Miller's, and she's. But the, didn't you tell me one time you were there and the father was in the chimney? He was cleaning the gutters off of a twelve-foot ladder when he was ninety-two years old. <laughs> <laughs> Winter at the Fisk home. 
Uh, it's oh, interesting. she made the best cookies. She made the best bread. You had J.J. Nissen. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, J.J. Nissen, the, the guy that did the commercials with Ted Williams. Yeah, I said, you could make a million dollars if you took her formula and fed it to every child in New England because look, look how they became, you know, and uh, J.J., uh, he forgot that one, too. So, <laughs> the younger J.J. Now, uh, so you go, you go to the Red Sox, you get drafted uh, by the Red Sox, and you were a reliever. Uh, initially, although I looked it up, and your record before you became a starter as a reliever was 19 and 11, which is pretty good. Yeah. But in 73, they decided you had uh, what it takes to make the pitching rotation, and starting then, you rattled off three consecutive years with 17 wins. Yeah, yeah. I had like 76 complete games. Uh, it's amazing how pitching has changed in our lifetime, where it is now. It's in the despicable position uh, except you can throw hard and people strike out and kids paw the ground and nothing good occurs at it and no one watches and baseball <laughs> is in deep trouble unless i save it in canada on this summer tour how are you going to do that what are you going to do add some special maybe cheerleaders well no i'm going to speed up the game i'm going to teach them not to wear gloves uh not to do this and uh, mm -hmm. to hustle onto the field and throw strikes the first pitch has to be down the middle i want the ball put in play uh I want things happening so uh, all the other players on the field don't become neurotics, especially your outfielders. What What is the the main reason? And, and Ben's a younger sport, baseball fan, but he loves baseball, but he's used to watching it the way he's used to watching it. The games used to be two hours. Yes. And now they're three plus, sometimes even more, sometimes four. Uh, are you in favor of the pitch clock? Uh, and what can you do to speed it up? No. There is no clock in baseball. There mm -hmm. is no time in baseball. A, a good game can be long. A good game can be short. But a good game is when the ball's put in play. Guys make great diving catches. Guys hit clutch base hits with two outs. You know, and it's the things that uh, you remember where you were on that day. Uh, the game that Fisk hit the home run was probably a pretty long ball game because it went late into the night. And uh, the game I threw the next day was a pretty quick ball game because I worked fast. And, you know, it was a memorable game because uh, we don't turn to the double play. I give up the, the hang and break ball to bench, and he hits the home run. And if we hadn't moved Doyle out of second base position on the hitter before, we turn the double play, and we're world champions. But then you go back to game two, and in game two, if they had taken me out in the eighth inning and brought in Moret, and he got six straight outs, Game six would have been the memorable one when Fisk hit the home run, and we don't even have to talk about game seven. That's a long soliloquy. <laughs> now, Ben, did you hear who he mentioned? Moret. Rahelio Roger Moret. Yeah, you've been you've been teasing the story about him for two weeks now. I know. Pay it off for I him. I know. Oh, you, tell him. Tell Ben, who wasn't even born in 75. Nope. What, what was – give us the nutshell on Rahelio Roger Catatonic Moret. Six foot six, probably 175 pounds. He was Jesus. a black Cuba, Cuba Lebra, we call it, a black snake. He was sale before sale. He had an amazing delivery where he unfolded like he's coming out of a suitcase, a spider coming out of a suitcase. And he threw downhill at 95 miles an hour, and he was unhittable. And he threw strikes. And he was a great guy, but he, you know, he couldn't speak English. I would have to go with him to 
on the road and a ball and around and get him fed because he would order the bottom of the menu and say, I'll take this. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I want my two eggs over large. <laughs> <laughs> Little barrier going there. Little barrier, but I spoke Spanish and uh, he loved me. And uh, when we had the senior tour, when we had the Gray Sox travel around, I got I got Moret out of Puerto Rico. Uh, I smuggled him out. Uh, Belanger, the head of the Players Association, said, you can't do that. You know, he's catatonic. He's in a mental hospital, and he's getting $70,000 a year. I said, 70000 He says, yeah, he's on total disability pension. I go, who's crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Not Roger. But he had other issues, but, you know, he had side issues when he was playing. He had side girlfriends all the way up and down 95. The guy was named the Culebra. You know, when, when you got a nickname like the Black Snake, people are knocking down their door trying to find out, is that real? Is that a pet? Does it have a helmet? What? <laughs> <laughs> Roger Moret. Now, we, I just want to backtrack a little bit to the early 70s teams. Mm -hmm. You had some guys on that team. Obviously, you played with Yaz for many years. And yeah. You, you weren't you his bridge partner? Oh, he was the worst bridge partner. He was an overbidder. He didn't like to be dummy. And if you don't have the tolerance when you don't have the cards, you know, you, you get into a, a contract like three no Trump and you don't have any clubs between you and the other club runs trubs all, all the way up and down the line and you go down seven and that's $200 of your meal money down there. And I end up breaking a United Airlines jet window with my elbow. You well, know, because of the game. Because the the game when he overbid and cost me my meal money all the way to oh. Kansas City. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, know? you know, you know what they say about bridge. It's like sex. Uh, if you if, if you don't have a good, if you don't have a good partner, you better have a good hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well. Oh wait, hold. Yeah, we made. There you, go. you know, it, originally Yaz wasn't my partner. I had uh, Tom Satriano, the catcher. The catcher was Number my four. partner. We were roommates, and then he got released. And then George Thomas used to be the manager or uh, the player with Ustremski, uh, and we used to clean their clock. Yeah, and uh, we'd we'd take their meal money, and uh, you know, I I could make a living gambling back in the old days, but. Uh, you know, I, I saw no percentage in it. And I, you know, the old trips were the best because we were flying those old Convairs by United. We had a card table in the back. We could drink and smoke on the plane. It was, it was. Do whatever you want, really. Oh, it was unbelievable. We loved it. <laughs> the the guys that I remember from that early 70s team were obviously the guys like Louis Aparicio. Did you play with him? Oh, he was my manager. And uh, I got in a fight with him in uh, Venezuela. Uh, Mary Lou and I and the kids, we went to Curaçao to see her grandfather's statue because he was governor of Curaçao. It was uh, uh, Commander Helfrich. She was Maria Louise Helfrich, and she used to sing Heil, stick her arm up, and my, my sphincter of my butt would pucker every time she she would say bill and i holy cow you know pinch a loaf she was she's scary scary woman sounds, you know, sounds like she it. was miss alaska she wasn't sarah palin miss runner-up no. she was the real deal right right she was amazing she came in third uh in miss congeniality <laughs> to uh two malamute dogs and a polar bear <laughs> She was the best. Well, anyway, I, I could tell you the 
The, the whole <laughs> cast could be on Venezuela and trying to get back in. You have to get a Solvencia. A Solvencia is like a green card to play in there. Oh. They used to give you 8,000 bolivars, and, and beer was like 20 cents, and gas was uh, 15 cents a liter. You know, for for 90 cents a gallon, it was like, yeah. oh, it was his heaven. Well, less than that even. I mean, I remember when I was a young man driving, I, 29.9 was a, a gallon of gas. You could get three gallons for a buck. Yes, you did. You know, but I don't know what it's like down in Simon Bolivar Avenue. <laughs> now they've all immigrated. They've all crossed the Orinoco River and gone to uh, Jonestown, and they're about ready to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> they're, they're in a mess It's a down party. There. <laughs> it's a party. All right, so I'm going to throw a couple names from the early 70s teams just for laughs. Uh, Sonny Siebert. Oh. Did you pitch with him? He was my roommate. He was. <laughs> you know the worst thing in the world? Is waking up and out of your sleep at three in the morning and seeing seeing your roommate in his tidy whities standing in front of a full length mirror going through his wind up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little disconcerting. <laughs> you know, I did not want to wake up in the middle of the night. He was he was he was a sheriff. I think he I don't think he's a sheriff anymore. He threw hard, man. Threw hard. He's all American. Look him up. All American basketball player could shoot. Uh, 15 footers with both hands. Sonny he was Siebert. Bill Bradley. Yeah. He was Bill Bradley before Bill Bradley. And then Bill Bradley came along and became the greatest, I think, the greatest college basketball player of all time. Do, do, do the players even have roommates anymore? Because I, with all the money they make, they each probably have a suite, don't they, at the hotel? Well, yeah, you you go from Tatum to the bad ones I had, and then you you start right rooming with Sam. Sam so night. <laughs> you and your suitcase. See you in your suitcase. Now comes Rogelio Moret like a spider out of your suitcase. <laughs> last, that was my last roommate was Samsonite, and uh, then I had single rooms after that. Yeah. I room with Fisk occasionally. Yeah. Uh, How did you get along with Fisk as a human being? I mean, I know you were both successful together when he was your catcher, and you had a little bit of a combative, like you know, uh, he was always pushing you, and you were always pushing back, or but. How was it overall with Carlton Fisk as your? Because you had another Hall of Fame catcher, yeah. Gary Carter. Carter, yeah. Before that, I had uh, uh, the guy who signed me, son Boone, Bob Boone. Bob Boone. Ray Boone signed me, yeah. Bob Boone, and then the other Boone hit the home run off Wakefield. Aaron Boone. Unbelievable. Yeah. The Boones are like. All the way back. It's too bad to... Daniel Boone didn't shoot Aaron Boone before that home run. That was on the Cumberland <laughs> Gap. That's actually a Louis L'Amour novel called The Sackets. Yeah. But that's a, I, <laughs> but, I'm too well read. Uh, yeah, you are. You really are. You've read every book. Fisk <laughs> was manageable until he got really cocky. You know, the worst thing his his career really what made him a Hall of Famer in my mind was when Lee Ron Lee broke his knee and he came back from that terrible knee injury in Cleveland. He was hit. You know, he tried to block the plate kind of like Posey did and uh you know, he changed it, but Fisk came back and uh, worked hard and uh Became so flexible. He could stick one leg out at 90 degrees, 180 degrees, and put his nose flat on the ground. He was like... Wow. Uh, yeah, he was like... Uh, he also could put, could put away the, the draft beer. Oh, man, he could drink. He could drink. Not huh? like Boggs, but he could drink. No, but he really, really... That's <laughs> Down at that uh, Winter Haven fantasy camp, I saw Fisk standing next to a keg for three hours. Didn't leave once I know. to go to the bathroom or anything, just kept filling the cup, filling the cup. And then when the cup went to air, when the 
keg went to air, you know, he goes, I guess it's time to go to bed. He says he walked away. <laughs> he didn't move. What year was this you went down? Uh, 87. 87. Yeah, it was a was great... Dan Patrick there? Was that the Dan Patrick? No, Dan... Bill Patrick. Bill Patrick. Yes. Billy Patrick. Yes, he was there. And uh, and that's where, you know, that's where I got to know <laughs> what was the Dick Raddatz side of... Dick Raddatz and Gary Bell at those fantasy camps. They were like Martin and, yeah. and, and Lewis. Bell just called me out of the blue. He hadn't talked to me in two and a half years, and he called me, and we talked for over a half an hour. You know, and uh, it was good to hear his voice. You know, him and Raditz were so close and ran the kangaroo court. And, uh, I mean, when you have a fantasy camp that starts out and you have Bobby Doerr, Ted Williams. Right. All those guys down there. It was like. It was. And you, you're you the only pitcher I've ever seen that got Ted Williams to laugh. What did you say to him that day? The photo session they were doing. You had him laughing so hard. I don't know what you said. I wasn't close. It was all about dominant eye theory. Because he said, you know, pitchers are this and pitchers are that. And I said, well, you're lucky because you had that big horn and you had a dominant right eye. And you were hitting from the left side of the plate. So your big honker wasn't blocking the freaking pitching arm. <laughs> and he started laughing. I said, you see that? palm tree over there cover one eye and he goes what are you talking about look at that and i said it jumps this way i said you had a dominant right eye you know <laughs> you shoot a rifle right-handed i saw your your ads you know you fly fished you were the greatest fisherman you said you said ted you said you wanted to be known as the greatest hitter that ever lived and i said you were you hit on Mary Lou, you hit on Pam, and you hit on Diana in a goddamn wheelchair. <laughs> Jeez, it was prolific. You so know, that's what Hitter.net stood for. Exactly. <laughs> that's what that is. Now, the one Ted story that I liked was when he was doing American Sportsman. I don't know if Kurt Gowdy was there. Or whatever. It was. Phil Lewis, Kurt Gowdy. He went out there on the, bo- on the boat, and he's t- you know t- uh, Ted swore a lot. I mean, the good thing about podcasts is you can fucking swear if you want to. Every fucking word out of his mouth <laughs> it was started with an F. So he's he's telling I'm the greatest goddamn fucking fisherman that ever lived, you know, and he's fishing and the the cameraman goes, What about Jesus? And Ted gives him a dirty look and then he goes, Well, you gotta go back pretty goddamn far, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's as much of a concession as he'd make, you know. Oh, we gotta start the American sportsman again. That was a good show. Was that a good that they was had Phil good. Lewis, him, Kurt Gowdy, they're shooting Chucker Partridge up on the Snake River on the highlands up there. And the producer, he's drinking. Phil Lewis is drinking. And he's he's got a flask in his pocket. And he's kind of hammered. And the producer's hating him. And so this bird gets up. And he pulls on it. And he doesn't fire. And he goes, you had a perfect shot, Phil. He goes, turns to the camera. He goes, on this show, we only shoot cock chuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's, let's, we got to get to the Yankees. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons. I, I, I'm constantly being asked by people, do, does Bill really have a picture of Greg Nettles in his wallet, uh, next to his ass? And, uh, tell, cause you told that the yeah. night you were inducted into Red Sox Hall of Fame, a lot of people were didn't hear that, I, but I'm going through my pockets right now, <laughs> but my wallet is in the, on the passenger side where my of wife should have been today. Yeah, where your car and is. in that is a picture of Nettles. of Nettles. Let's tell people, though, the background of that story. 1976, or I believe it was May, you just won 17 games three years in a row, yeah, and was... the hate, Yankees hated you because you beat them all the time. Yeah, I mean, we, you we owned shut them out in a doubleheader the year before when uh, their manager, the guy, the Pirate, got fired, and they brought Billy Martin in. I'm trying to think the pirate manager back then, but he got fired. He was an outfielder. He got fired. Bill Verdon. Bill Verdon. Very good. Thank you. They, Bill Verdon got smartest fired. man alive. Well, he was uh, 
He wasn't. And anyway, they bring in Martin, and now I find out there's a vendetta on me. I found out later, and they just beat the living shit out of me. I threw that sinker away to Otto Velez with Pinell at second base, Nettles at first. Yep. I walked Nettles, and then uh, Pinelli gets thrown out for the third out, and I was backing up home plate, and I tried to pull Otto Velez, which was a big guy. He guy hit the ball. He was coming in from second, and he was going to hit fifth. So I got him, and I got taken up the first baseline a little bit by the momentum. And then it shows the picture of Mickey Rivers hitting me in the back of the head, and then Nettles running me up the first baseline. You don't see him dumping me on my shoulder. That's the funny thing in, in that everybody sees me hurt afterwards, but no one sees how I got hurt. Right, you got body slammed by Nettles. I got body no, I, I watched it last night, and all you see is you kind of coming up, holding your arm, yeah. but you never see actually you, you where never or why. You think it just happens underneath the pile almost. You never but see what a it. dick thing for him to do. You know, and then you you said something to him. Then he came after you again because you said something to him. Yes, he came by and I called him everything in the book, and uh, I tried to hit him with. I thought I tried to hit him with a left hook, but it it shows no movement of me. It shows him coming and assaulting me over the top and hitting me with the right. Well, hand. your left arm was dislocated. It was dislocated. <laughs> so and you can't really. That's not an uh, an out punch. Yeah, I I didn't wasn't dislocated. It was a chromiocavicular separation, which deals yeah, with get it your, right, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, you know it's 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 it deals with uh, your uh, not your xiphoid process. That's in the middle of your chest. It it's 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 not a good injury. You know, you got dead arm, and uh, I came back from it. I came back too soon. But Dick Gregory came and saved me by bringing a food formula called the Bahamian food formula with comfrey root and everything else that he had blended. He used to sell it at uh, GNC stores. It was called the Bahamian Diet. And they ought to bring it back because I it works for me. It did. It works because you drink it with cranberry juice. You don't drink it like milk, like Tommy Lasorda and Slimfast and fart. The whole damn plane had to had to you know get down in Phoenix on its way to L.A. because of the farts from Tommy Lasorda. So <laughs> you don't fart on the on the Bahamian diet, but boy, that's slim no, fast. It's because of the cranberry juice. It's because of the cranberries. That's why. It had to be. You know, so you get dislocated or separated shoulder. You're out for most. That's. The Yankees went on to play the Reds in the World Series, so they took advantage of the fact that you uh, were not on, uh, on the Red Sox because you, you were 12-5 and five lifetime against the Yankees. Yeah, Ferguson Jenkins tore his Achilles tendon, too. He had a partial tear right. of his Achilles. And then you got him, who's a Hall of Famer. And uh, then, you know, Zimmer comes in, uh, and uh, the rest was he just systematically got rid of the Buffalo Heads. He did. And this Buffalo Heads is something I want to ask you about as well because the Zimmer thing. Uh, I, I don't know, if, if, Ben, have you ever heard of the Buffalo Head Gang? I read about it yesterday. Oh, okay. I, I was doing he's, my research. He's good, though. He's good. He he wasn't alive, but he checked out like a history book on it. Fergie Jenkins, you, mm-hmm. uh, Bernie Carbo, of course. Willoughby. Jim Willoughby. And Wise. And Rick Wise. Rick Wise. Those were the, that was the Buffalo Head Gang. And you all hated, except for, except for one guy, you were all pitchers. You hated Zimmer because he didn't know how to handle the pitching staff, and he was douching you guys around. Yeah, he didn't like us. He didn't. Well, he doesn't like pitchers. You think about it. He's been beaned twice. He had a steel plate in his head. Mm-hmm. His last professional at bat was with the Washington uh, Washington Senators right. in 1969, I think it was, or 68. His last at bat was against Jim Cott, and I found out he threw him a 3-2 backdoor breaking ball. So he, you know, he 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 didn't challenge him. 
He had men on base, and he backdoors him, and he takes it for a called third strike. He's going to hate pitchers, and he's really going to hate left-handers. <laughs> and the most famous image of him is getting dumped by a pitcher 30 That's years right. later. Pedro Martinez. And the, the most fa- famous image of you and Zimmer together is you in the dugout screaming at each other. In his face. And right, you're right in his face. Yeah. Now, how did that go over with the old-school Don Zimmer? I mean, obviously, you and he didn't. You didn't get along at no. all. But he – there's a couple of really hard-to-believe things that he didn't do. Like, pitch you instead of Bobby Sproul, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. You should see that. But the, I'll tell you, here's the most amazing thing of all. My dad was a third baseman. My dad's from L.A. My dad's favorite ball player on the Dodgers was Don Zimmer. Is that amazing? Isn't that weird? Did he ever explain that to you? Yeah, he told me all about him. He says, how come you can't get along with him? I said, do I get along with you? He goes, you got a point there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, the last time I threw to my father, and I just sold this house in Terrell, and uh, it's on a dead-end street. It uh, backs up to a mountain where I used to deer hunt and shoot uh, quail. And he's uh, the street now has a fence on it before that it didn't and he used to warm me up in high school and uh work on my pitching and my aunt would be there helping too i'd come back from a ball and he goes dad he goes son let's see what you got so he takes the old round catcher's glove turns his hat around backwards the first ball i throw i throw him a four seamer and it takes off and it tips his glove and takes his hat right off his head he looked at me, set the glove down, and he walked in the house. <laughs> and that's the last time I threw to my father. Right. <laughs> well, he was just probably thirsty. He something. was amazing. Yeah. He was a great golfer. <laughs> he shot his age from 65 to 85. Mm-hmm. He was a tremendous competitor. Uh, you know, I got to be with him the whole last two months of his life, and uh, he died in my arms. And uh, we kind of patched things up over that course of time. And uh, Diana was a saint and he actually just liked looking at her you know and uh she was easy on the eyes and uh you know diana was great she says you know dad for the money we're spending on you we could put you up in the uh in the ritz carlton in downtown san francisco with two candy stripers halfway naked (laughs) and he just smiled (laughs) that should something somehow that should have gotten done i think that's part one of our podcast with the spaceman bill lee and part two will be coming part two's next episode Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show.